Welcome to the vineyard. Uh, it is uh, it is an awesome day. I love Easter. I love everything about it. Everything about you know it's just a reminder the tight the the season that it's in with the new life and everything. Uh, there's it's it's you know just of all the holidays this this is the pinnacle because this is the day we celebrate. The, Je- the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, the day that he broke free from that tomb and just conquered sin and death. And when he walked out of that tomb, when Christ walked out of that tomb 2,000 years ago, it literally changed everything. And the thing is, it didn't just change everything then, it continues to change everything today. Uh, the resurrection of Christ is the most transformational event that has ever happened in history. There is not one single thing that even comes close. The resurrection empowers us to live our lives as God intended us to live them. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. So let's begin by by, uh, uh, reading the account from Matthew's Gospel. Matthew 28 Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. Wouldn't you love to see that? Wouldn't you have loved to have been there just to see that angel come down, you know, big muscles and move away that stone and... And, oh, just loved it. The guards, however, we read in verse 4, the guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. I wonder, you know, what we would have done. What would you and I have done if we saw that sight? Would we have been like the guards and just fall over in fear or, or, or just stood there with our mouths agape, just, you know, in awe? It says, then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. I want to make a note here. The stone wasn't rolled away so that Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so that we could see in. That's why it was rolled away, so that we could see in. And now, the angel says, now go quickly, tell his disciples that he's risen from the, from the dead. And tell them to not do this to my iPad. That he <laughs> oh, where was I? Um, that he's risen from the dead just as he said he would. Um, come and see where his body was lying. Go quickly tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead and that he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I've told you. The women quickly ran away from the tomb and they were frightened, but also filled with great joy. The two are not mutually ex- you know, exclusive. They were both frightened and filled with great joy. They rushed to give the disciples the angel's message, and as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. 
Today, as we celebrate the resurrection, I want to talk about three ways that the resurrection empowers us to live as God intended for us to live. Because how many know that he didn't just put us randomly on this planet and say, okay, go figure it out. He has, a, he has a plan for us. He has a way that he wants us to live, that he intends for us to live, that will bless us and, that will in, uh, and then result in glory to him. But he tells us how to live. And the first thing he, he tells us, first thing that the resurrection empowers us to, to do is, is to empowers us to live with victory over the sin that controls us or that controlled us. We live in a broken world. We all know that. We don't have to convince you of that. Ever since the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve chose their own will over God's will and sin entered the world, the world was broken. And it's affected every single one of our lives. No one has escaped its brokenness. It shows up differently in different lives, but none of us escape it. But through the death and resurrection of Christ, sin's control over us is broken. And we can walk in a freedom that we couldn't walk in before. The resurrection gives us that power. The resurrection gives us that ability. Think about these words from Romans chapter 6. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Paul's talking about those who have put their faith in Christ and, and, and have been baptized. When we put our faith in Christ, his death becomes our death. And then he says, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Just as his death becomes our death, so now because of the resurrection, his life becomes our life. Because Christ was raised from the dead, you and I are empowered to live with the ability to live new lives. And that all sounds good, right? But what do these new lives look like? Verse 5, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. It means that our past is gone and the sins from our past are wiped away. We're totally free from them. We are forgiven. We, have, we start a, with a clean slate. And then he says, so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. That means because the resurrection of Jesus, the power of sin is broken over our lives. It doesn't mean that we will never sin. It means we don't have to. It means the sin's power, that grip that it has, that, that just drew us in before, has been broken, and we have the power, we have the ability, we have the, uh, to be able to choose to say no. Because of the resurrection, we can say no to those things that the enemy tries to drag us into, the enemy tries to pull us into. We can say no to those habits that we've carried and that have been, been clinging to us for years and years and years. We can say no to that because of the power of the resurrection that is ours. Second thing the resurrection gives us. The resurrection give us, gives us victory over the fear that intimidates us. Anybody ever afraid of anything? Has anybody? How many are afraid to raise their hand right now? 
You know, we're all familiar with fear. Everyone has fears. Some are just too afraid to admit it. But, you know, people are afraid of all kinds of things. Now, a little bit of, a little bit of you know, uh, transparency here. I am not near as, as venturous a person as my kids. I'm just not a very adventurous. I mean, John likes to go and hang off cliffs in Africa and... I mean, you know, um, uh, anyway, one of our mission trips to Costa Rica and our missions partnership, one of our trips, our team was going to go whitewater rafting down a, a, the Serapiki, or Serapiki, however you pronounce it, river uh, in, through a cloud forest. Whitewater rafting through a river in the cloud forest in Costa Rica totally out of my comfort zone. And I found out later that the fish, there, I mean, there were tons of fish in this river, like where we were, that are cousins to the piranha. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, but I pushed through my fear, and I did it. It's not something that I would normally, hey, let's go do, I'm just not that adventurous. I'd never done that before. And then when I found out you don't sit in the raft, you sit on the raft, on the edge of it. It's like, no, I, I, I'd rather sit in here. But I pushed through my fears and I did it. And it was amazing time. Another trip, uh, several of the pastors were going zip lining over the treetops through the forest. Now, these trees, I looked at these trees, and I looked up. These were, no joke, the tallest trees I had ever seen in my life, by far. And I've seen tall trees. These were the tallest, by far. And, um, <laughs> and the zip line was a good distance above them. And not only that, for much of the zip lining, you know, you would go from station to station, you know, you'd like go and then it'd stop and you have this platform, you know, a platform on a huge pole that, you know, kind of went like this, you know, while you were up there. And then you would go to the next section. And for much of the zip lining, you were going blind. Not because you had a blindfold on, but because you were going through the clouds. So you couldn't see this far in front of you where you were going. You were just hoping that, you know, you were going to, and then all of a sudden, boom, you'd stop at the, at the next platform. I'm not that adventurous, but that's what I did. I gathered up all the courage that I could muster, looked at the other pastors and said, sorry, guys, I'll see you when you get back down. I'm keeping my feet on the ground. And I went out and conquered a hamburger. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's also wisdom to, you know, figure into this. But, you know, people have all kinds of fear. And, and I'm not a fear of height. I'm not a fear of heights. But, I mean, that was ridiculous, you know. I, I could have reached up and, um, you know, pulled myself into heaven. Uh, anyway, <laughs> fear controls us. And one of the biggest fears that people have is the fear of dying. Have you realized that? I looked up, you know, lists of common fears that people have, and I found a list where fear of dying was number two on the list. Right behind fear of public speaking. 
I think the two are related, actually. But anyway, it, it, it tries to control us through, through intimidation, but the resurrection gives us victory over fear, including the fear of death. I've met a number of people, a number of believers who tell me they're afraid of dying. They're afraid of death. They're not afraid of heaven, but they're afraid of dying. But we don't have to be because Jesus went there ahead of us. He tasted death for us, and he came back. He came back. Listen what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 2. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. In other words, so he could identify with us, so he could say to us, I know exactly what you're going through because I've been there. So, and then, and then it goes on, it says, for only as a human being could he die. So he experienced, tells us that he experienced full human, you know, death as a full human being just like us. And then the writer says, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. The resurrection gives us power to break through that fear, the fear of dying. The reason we can have fear over the vic or victory over the fear of death is because Jesus broke the power of death. He experienced death, and he came back from the dead. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For, the sin, for, for sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God... He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you don't have to fear death. Jesus broke his power, its hold over us. And because he rose again and came back from the dead, we can believe everything that he says about what awaits for us when we go through that transition into a greater life than anything that we could even begin to experience here on earth. The truth is when the risen Christ is living inside of you, you don't have to be afraid of anything, anything. Second Timothy says he's not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and self-discipline. So many people in our country today are walking in fear, a continual state of fear, including a lot of believers, they let it creep in. They let it overcome them. Fear, of what, if, what if this happens and what if that happens and, and how am I going to handle this? All kinds of fear, and we don't have to because we've not been given a spirit of fear, but we have power over it. We have power over it. If we begin to exercise the spirit of power and love and self-discipline, which God has given us, then we can overcome fear. Third area of victory the resurrection gives us is this. It gives us the ability to walk in victory over the failure that so often discourages us or dissuades us or derails us. No one here likes to fail. But there's a difference between the failure we experience when we 
attempt a goal, we attempt to do something and we don't succeed. And the failure that we feel when we've let someone down. You ever you know you know that feeling? Isn't it awful? I've let down this person, I've let down that person. When we've disappointed someone that we care about. That fear goes so much deeper. And that's when the enemy comes in and begins to whisper in our ear and tell us that we're worthless and tell us that we're done and tell us that we're washed up. And when we start to believe that, that's when failure comes in as, and we begin to take that on as an identity that we take on rather than an experience that we go through. But the resurrection changes all of that. It exposes the lie that labels us a failure. We see that in the lives of the apostles. After the Last Supper, Jesus and his disciples sang a hymn, and then they went out, headed out to the Garden of Gethsemane. And we, we pick up in Matthew chapter 26, verse 31, says, On the way, so on the way to the garden, Jesus told them, Tonight, all you guys are going to desert me. For the scripture says, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised from the dead, I'll go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Then Peter speaks up. You know, he's quick to run off at the mouth, quick to, you know, just, just first thing, you know, no, no, no filter. No, you know, people that don't have filter, no filter, just, you know, right out of his mouth. Uh, uh, he says, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will desert you. You ever said that? You ever said something like that to Jesus? Like, I'll never do this. How many have said that? How's that worked out for you? All right, that's what I thought. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night, before the roaster crows, you'll deny three times that you even knew me. The, a rooster is a, a, a roaster, yeah, it's, it's a rooster that had been in a roaster, and they had it for dinner. Come on, guys. What? That's right. That's right. It was a prophetic rooster that was resurrected from the roaster. Okay, before we get any farther gone. And we all went to heaven and lived happily ever after. <laughs> Goodbye. <No. laughs> all right, all right. We always think of the garden as the place where Jesus was betrayed. You can stop laughing now, Ellen. As a place where Jesus was <laughs> betrayed by Judas, which it was, right? But it was also another place. It was a place where after only minimal resistance... All of his followers abandoned him. They all ran, hightailed it out of there. They scattered. They ran for their lives. When Jesus most needed their support, they let him down. They failed him. If Jesus, if Jesus was like some people, when he rose from the dead, he would have said, 
You guys are history. I'm getting a whole nother bunch of guys because you bailed on me when I needed you. But that's not how Jesus operates. They failed him, yes, but Jesus wasn't done with them. The Bible tells us in Matthew 12, it says that a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. I'm so thankful for that. Till he has brought justice through to victory in his name, the nations will put their hope. I'm so thankful for those verses right there because I was a bruised reed and I was a smoldering wick and he decided he wasn't done with me yet. Jesus uses bruised and broken people, people who have failed in the past. He doesn't discard, doesn't discard them, he restores them. The disciples had abandoned him, yes, but this is what the angel at the tomb was instructed to say. Go quickly and tell his disciples, the angel speaking to the women, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there. He was meeting them in Galilee because he wasn't done with them. He wasn't finished with them. He still had work for them to do. He still had ministry for them to do. They may have failed him. They did. But Jesus still had plans to use them to accomplish his plans, his purpose, his mission, what he came for, the redemption of mankind. We need to hear this because there are too many Christians who think they've done something that just disqualifies them from God using him. I've done something, I've done this, I've done that, and I, God can't use me any longer because of my failure. But God is a God of redemption. The cross is a cross of redemption. And the walls of the empty tomb echo the promise of redemption to all who will listen. The resurrection changes everything. The resurrection offers us new beginning. The angel at the tomb told the women, go tell the disciples he's going to meet you in Galilee. And then just a few verses later, as they start to go, the women run into the resurrected Jesus himself. And what does he say? He says in Matthew 28, 10, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee. They'll see me there. The angel told them, tell this to the, my disciples or to, the, to his disciples. Jesus said, go tell this to my disciples. In other words, he is making sure that they get the message. He's not done with them. In fact, soon they would be doing God's work in ways that they never would have imagined. Amazing, isn't it? Then when you flip to Mark's gospel, we have one more little detail that the others don't mention. <clears throat> In Mark 16, 7, the angel told the women, now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you into Galilee. You'll see him there just as he told you before he died. It's interesting. Mark is the only gospel that has this little detail, including Peter. Go tell the others, including Peter. It's only mentioned in Mark. Why do you think that is? I think it's because Peter, history tells us, was the source 
of Mark's gospel. That's where Mark got his information from. Church history from the first century tells us that Mark and Peter were friends. So Mark got his information from Peter, and Mark includes it because this little detail meant everything to Peter. Because here's the thing. All of the disciples deserted Jesus in its, greatest, its time of greatest need. Some followed from a distance for a while. John, we know, showed up again at the, at, at the cross. But, you know, but when Jesus was arrested in the garden, every single one of his closest friends scattered. Peter, he didn't stop at just that. He went beyond just abandoning him. He failed him big time. He denied that he knew him even, you know, not once, not twice, but three times. And Jesus had told him he was going to do this, that he would deny him. And to make matters even worse, the third time he denied knowing him, he's calling down curses on himself from heaven if he's lying. Luke tells us, that as he's denying him that third time, he looks over and he catches Jesus' eye looking at him. I can imagine what Peter must have felt. Scripture tells us he wept. He wept bitterly. Put yourself in Peter's shoes. It's over for him. How do you recover from something like that? How could he ever look in a mirror again? How could he ever live with himself again? As he watched all that Jesus went through that day, he saw him crucified, he saw him die, he, he, he saw him buried. He, he, the next day as Jesus lay in the tomb, Peter relived that over and over. He relives this denial in his head and feeling of regret and thinking of what if I could have done this? What if I could have done that? Or I should have done this? All those things. He's crushed and he's broken. Then Sunday morning comes. Jesus rises from the grave and women, the women were instructed to deliver this message to the disciples, meet me in Galilee. And then, you know, that let the disciples know that their ministry wasn't over. It was just beginning. Jesus had plans for them. He still had work for them to do. And the angel made sure that Peter knew the instructions included him. He hadn't disqualified himself. Jesus still had plans for him. There was a new beginning for him. And then as you read the rest of the, like in, in John's gospel, chapter 21, we see that Jesus recommissions Peter. I mean, what a message of redemption. What a message of victory over failure. Not just go and tell the disciples, but make sure you don't leave out Peter because he's a part of this plan too. He still has a place for me too. In a moment, I want to pray. But before we do, I want to give an opportunity to anybody who has never surrendered their life to Jesus. Put your faith in him. Receive the forgiveness that he so freely offers us. I want to give an opportunity. So everyone close your eyes, bow your heads. It's for those who have either never put their faith in Christ or maybe you did one day and you wandered away. 
Maybe you put your faith in him and you're walking with him for a while and something happens and you feel like you've either walked away, you've drifted away, you feel like you've failed him. And you just, you want to come home. You want to come home. His door is open. His arms are open. If you believe that Jesus died for your sins and he rose from the dead on the third day and you want to live your life for him and you haven't been, but you want to start again, then just slip up your hand right now. Not going to take a lot of time, just a second. If there's anyone here. Okay. Let's all stand. Maybe you're here today and you're wondering if God still has a place for you in his plan. Maybe you've made some choices and you felt that you felt disqualified you from being of any use to God or maybe not totally disqualified but relegated you to like a, a, a second class. God doesn't have second class citizens. And I've got a message for you. God's not done with you. Whatever you've been through, wherever you've been, he's not done with you. He can redeem anything that you've done. There is still a place for you. You can have a new beginning. And if that's you, I want to pray over you right now. And if what I'm saying resonates in your spirit and you just want in on that, just in your spirit, say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I receive that. So, Father, we thank you that you don't leave us in on our sin and in our fears and in our failures. But you sent your son to give us victory. To empower us to live the lives that you intend for us to live. Victory over sin. It no longer has to control us. Victory over fear because you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And we can face whatever is in front of us with confidence, with boldness in your name. And victory over failure. Father, I thank you that not one of those things identifies us. Not one of those things identifies us. It's the risen Christ who identifies us. And it's the risen Christ who gives us a new beginning. And now in the name of Jesus, I break the power of the lies that we have believed. The lies that say sin has power over us and we have no choice. The lies that tell us that we have anything to fear. And the lies that tell us that our failure identifies us or that God is done with us. We break the power of those lies in the name of Jesus. And we cut each person free from them. And Father, now release resurrection victory into your people's lives. Every one of us, Lord, we want it, we need it.
and we thank you for it. Give us resurrection victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now hold, your, hold out your hands for the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you this week as you carry his presence wherever you go. Because you know you do that. You carry his presence as a believer. Wherever you go, his presence goes. And may you be filled with resurrection power and boldness. May you see with his eyes. May you love with his heart. In the name of Jesus, our resurrected Lord, amen. Amen. God bless you. Go out and have a great day celebrating the resurrection.